Stories, fables, ghostly tales. Well, let me just stretch my bones, blow the dust of my microphone, and settle comfortably into my chair with a royal Earl Grey. Before I start this show, let's take in and appreciate the description of Royal Earl Grey Tea. Yunnan leaves blended with bergamot produce a mysterious and complex brew, a deep red infusion with a mature smoky aroma, a must for curious and adventurous black tea lovers. And yes, it is delicious, for I am curious, and for I am adventurous when it comes to tea. So listeners, be like Royal Earl Grey, mature, smoky, curious, deep, and always adventurous. I really love my Royal Earl Grey tea. Hell, I even love the normal standard Earl Grey tea. Both tea types are just delicious. I have a soft spot for bergamot, that's for sure. Ah, so good to be back, mates, and in your company. Today I have two old-time episodes from the Clock series, one involving the power of the mind on one's health, and the second tale, all about living a second life. And then some. Folks, thank you to all those that wished me a happy marriage ceremony. It went flawlessly, and like I said, it's great to be back. Rest assured, those that I haven't responded to via email yet, I'll be spending this week getting back to you. So I shouldn't be too much longer. Now, turn off the lights, turn up the sound, and let's listen to some classic old-time radio dramas. Enjoy. Sunrise and sunset, promise and fulfillment, birth and death. The whole drama of life is written in the sands of time. We present a new series of radio programs, The Clock. It's nice to have friends, and I can count quite a few of my own. Most people consider me to be a very good fellow to know. Well, if you'll pardon a bit of boasting on my part. They find that their time is enjoyable, and the minutes and hours of their lives are valuable things indeed. To these people, working towards an end for themselves and their families, time provides them with the opportunity to relax, to do a job and to build for the future. Yes, I count myself lucky to have so many friends. But I also have some enemies. Who are my enemies? I'll tell you who they are. They're the inmates of prisons throughout the world. They're the misfits and the socially outcast. Many of them can be reclaimed. Many of them serve out their terms, pay their debt to society, and later begin anew. But there are a few, a very few, who will never change. These are the hardened types. <laughs> 
the killers to whom human life is cheap. These are the ones who watch my hands as they slowly turn year after year, who watch my face knowing that for them, time has no rewards. These are the ones, my friends, who hate me and who despise the world. Wait. You got the rods. Here's yours. Stick it under your shirt, quick. Uh-huh. Duke slipped them to me about an hour ago. Put a gun into the yard. The Duke's all right. He comes alone. He gave me the dope in the hash house. We go east to the river, and we cut across to the bay. We hide out on the beach, and you pick us up there on the fast boat. I got it. Why don't we make the break? Now. Now? Yeah. All I was waiting for was to get my fingers on the rod. But I figured that we I'm would come... i the show, Smiley, just like I always run it. Oh, sure, sure. We know. We Everything's know. worked out. We can't lose. And we can't wait. We start the panic as they start taking us back inside. I'll short-circuit the lights by firing into the switch box. We pick up the guard and march. Right. Look, Smiley, this is it. I don't want to be grabbed, see? Need to get out of here on our feet or we get carried out in a box. Understand? Yeah, and I'll tell anybody who stands in our way. Okay. Cut the duke off. Here comes the guard. All right, man. Time's up. Time to file back to your cell. <laughs> Forward, march. Fire! The gun's on fire! A live screw. Why don't you get us out of here? You know the way in the dark, start moving fast. I blow your head off. <laughs> Smiley, I'm here, Duke. Right behind you, old man. You did a nice job, screw. <laughs> you let me go now, won't you? You're free. Take the car, Rip. Don't let the lucky sit. Come on. <laughs> Wait a minute. Where are you going, screw? Hmm? I... Why, I, I, I thought you were taking me with you. We ain't got no room. We can't take you, and we can't leave you behind. Huh? Huh? No. No! Now, let's get out of here fast. What time you got, Smiley? Ten-five. Yeah, he's late. I tell you, ain't common word. Look at that fuck out there underwater. He couldn't find his beach if he tried. Do we come this far to close out? Don't irritate yourself, my boy. Joe's a man to be trusted. He'll be here. Yeah. When? When the fog lifts. Tomorrow night, perhaps. Remember what he told us. We're to keep the same rendezvous every night at this time until he shows up with the boat. And while we're waiting, what do we do? Stand here on the beach until we're spotted. I must admit we didn't allow for that contingency. Hey, wait. Look. At what? On the other side of the beach. In that cove. That's a house. Well, anyone that can see? There you are. We can help ourselves to shelter, so to speak. How do we know who's in there? Ah, what difference does it make? We take over, that's all. Yeah, take over. Okay, come on. Let's go. <laughs> facts as we have learned them up to now. 
one of the most daring jailbreaks of all time. The prisoners escaped through sheer nerve, brutally killing a guard as they left. It is uncertain as to what direction they took, but all state police have been alerted. Hello, Anne. Finished work, Dad? Oh, yes. I was just getting some more news about the amazing jailbreak that happened this afternoon. Now, what did I do with my glasses? On the table, Dad. Oh, yes. It was simply fantastic. They forced a guard to lead them right out of the prison. And then they killed him. Oh, who did? Darling, don't you ever listen to anything I say? I'm sorry, my dear. What were you saying about a prison? Never mind. I can never get you to listen unless I talk about bugs and test tubes. Well, I had quite a day today in the lab. Really? I've developed a new medium for my cultures. It ought to prove extremely satisfactory. You know, darling, I'm glad we bought this old house here on the beach. Are you? Oh, it's so pleasant for you. And you're so happy here. Yes, I'm very happy, Anne. It's nice to have a laboratory right inside the house and to be free of all outside disturbances. But what about you? Are you happy here? Of course I am. You know, perhaps it was selfish of me to bring you all the way out here to this deserted spot. You're young and you want excitement and company. Oh, I get plenty of company when I go into town twice a week. That's for excitement. I'd much rather help you win the next Nobel Prize. <laughs> Nobel Prizes aren't just given away. I've got a lot of work ahead of me. One day, Dad, you're going to be a famous man. <laughs> Am I? One day, when people mention the name of Dr. William Carter... Oh, now, who on earth can that be? I don't know. Who might be someone looking for directions. I'll see who it is. Yes? Inside. <gasps> Dad! Inside, I said! Dad! Well, what's going on here? Smiley, take a look through that door. Okay. Is this a hold-up? Not exactly, young lady. If you'd like an explanation... Shut up, Duke. Who else is in this dump outside of you two? No one. You sure? Of course I'm sure. Ah, the joint's empty, Red. That's good. Take care of the phone. Dad, he's tearing the phone from the wall. Well, that's the smartest thing to do under the circumstances. Wait! I know who they are. They're the three escaped convicts. I remember their description on the radio. Why can't they be? Everything's all right, honey. Now, just keep your head. Permit me to introduce myself and my colleagues. My name is Bowen, Charles Bowen, but I'm more widely known as the Duke. This gentleman on my left is Red Fulton. You may have heard of him. He's been serving a life term for murder. You talk too much, Duke. Smiley, the gentleman on his right, is another genius at homicide. How many do you have your credit, Smiley? <laughs> Four. Red's got me, baby. He got eight. Candy Gav. Are you? Me? You got anything to eat in the dump? There, there's a little cold meat in the icebox. Get it out. What? I said get it out. And what goes with you? Can't you hear? Go on, Anne. Prepare some sandwiches for our guests. So, go with her. The pleasure is all mine after you, ladies. What's your name, mister? Carter. Dr. Carter. Doctor of medicine. Retired. The dame, your daughter? Yes. All right. Sit down. Thank you. Look, Doc. Let me get something straight in your head before we go any further. My pals and I want it, and want it bad. This is only a stopover, as far as we know. And we'll be getting out of here tomorrow night. I see. Now, just so you remember, we got a wrap over our skulls. That means the chair if we're caught. So we ain't going to be bashful about adding a couple more to the list we already have. You mean... 
You'll kill us in cold blood if it becomes necessary. You catch on fast, Doc. If you take it easy, don't try gags. Maybe we'll walk out of here like we came in. Quiet. If not, you and your daughter better figure to get yourselves measured for a couple of kimonos. Yeah, wouldn't want. I think I understand. Make sure you do, Doc. How many rooms you got in this shack? Five. Well, I only counted four. Where's the last one, Doc? Downstairs, in, in the cellar. I use it as a laboratory. Let's go down and look. I, I assure you there's nothing down there, but we'll look anyway. Go on, move. Hey, it's an open in the floor. This trapdoor leads to the cellar. There are stairs going down. Smiley, you first. The dock next. I'm last. I assure you there's nothing down here that would interest you. Then you've got nothing to worry about by showing it to us. Uh, please be careful. I have several valuable specimens in the test tubes that are important to me. What are you reaching for? The light switch, of course. Hey, wait. <laughs> Get a load of this place. Yeah. What's all the glassware for, Doc? Those are flasks and test tubes. I'm a bacteriologist. They, uh, what? I work with infectious diseases. I try to find vaccines that will prevent or cure them. Yeah. Does it pay off? In satisfaction, yes. Nuts. <laughs> Red, look at this. You got a rabbit in here. That's not a rabbit. It's a guinea pig. What's the idea? I use them for experiments. Well, he looks like he eats good. Look how fat he is, Red. Yeah. He certainly is fat. Hey, what are you doing? Just don't take him up, please, sir. I want to try a little experiment on my own. I want to see if he can breathe when I squeeze his neck. You're strangling him. That's <laughs> always good for a laugh. Why, well, you... You... You've killed him. You've strangled him to death. Sure. Just so you remember, Doc. There ain't no difference between his neck and yours. The ocean tides can be depended on to rise and fall according to a fixed schedule of time. But mist and fog, the soupy fog that billows in from the high seas and hovers over the beaches like a curtain of oil, that can never be relied upon to leave, and even the threats of three armed killers have no effect upon its arrival or departure. What's the matter with that fog? How many nights we got to hang up this hole? Ah, Jack won't be around tonight, Brid. I just took a look at the beach. Worse than yesterday. As Mark Twain once said, everyone talks about the weather, but no one seems to be able to do anything about it. <laughs> Shut up, Duke. The duck's downstairs. Playing with his bugs. And the dame? In the kitchen. Wait. What happens when we leave? What do you mean, what happens? Joe's going to pull us off that beach in a motorboat. He takes us to a tank at 12 miles out, and we head for South America. So what? What Smiley is trying to tell you is that the plan is perfect, provided no one else is aware of it. That's what I mean. If we happen to leave anyone behind who can notify the Coast Guard, that tanker won't get very far. We ain't leaving nobody behind who can talk. Wait. Huh? Look. What are you doing in here? I, I wanted to go into the laboratory. My father hasn't had his dinner yet. I'm bringing it down to him. <laughs> You sure are nice, the old man, baby. 
Do you ever like to be nice to anybody else? Take your hands off me. <laughs> Take it easy, go down them steps, baby. Them friends of yours are too cute, bit busted. You think the girl heard what we said about getting rid of them? And if she did there, so what? It ain't gonna do either of them any good. Boy, dinner. Oh, that's sweet of you, my dear. Dad, I want to tell you something. I just heard them talking upstairs. They're going to kill us before they leave, Father. They're afraid we know too much about that land. What's going on down there? Nothing. It's sure taking a long time to park that hash. They're coming down. Don't be nervous, Adam. What are you two cooking up? Oh, we've, we've just been talking. Yeah. You spent too much time down here, Doc. I don't like it. I have work to do. That's so. Sure. You got nothing to work with now. So you got no work to do. And no reason to be down here. You shouldn't have done that. No. You'll regret it. Yeah! You're getting too smart, Doc. Next time you'll have a mouthful of teeth. Hey, Wade. You got some of that stuff on your clothes. Uh, what stuff? That junk that was in them tubes. Someone spilled on me, too. Here. Let me brush it. That won't do you any good. What? The bacilli in those tubes were among the most dangerous known to man. And they strike very quickly. Well, what, what's he talking about? Uh, I don't know. Have you ever heard of bubonic plague? Stop dishing out them fancy words. Speak English. I've been working on bubonic plague for years. It's one of the most horrible diseases in creation. In a day or two, perhaps you'll begin to know what I mean. <laughs> what are you trying to do? Put a scare into us, Doc? We'll see when the time arrives. Come on, get moving. No, and you and the dame stay inside the bedroom. And you don't come out, see? Unless you're asked. Time seems to stand still for my enemies, Red, Smiley, and Duke. But let's see what happens. The fog's still as bad as ever. There's no sign of Joe. Oh, maybe tomorrow night. Hey, Duke. Yes, old boy? You're a smart guy. Brilliant is the word. Yeah. What's a uh, bubonic plague? A disease. Mm. It ain't bad, though. Is it? My dear Red, in the Middle Ages, bubonic plague killed people like flies. It's a frightful contamination. Frightful. Why do you ask? Well, yesterday we busted up the old man's glass factory. Now, we got some stuff in our clothes, too. He said it was uh, bubonic plague. What are you looking at? A bu bubonic plague? Stop looking at me like that and talk. I, I don't know what to say. Well, how can he have a disease cooped up in a test tube? He was lying, wasn't he? I I don't know. If he was working with a bacilli... That's the word he used. Hey, hey, what are you moving away for? I want to sit down. Over here. Away from you. What are you sniffling about, Smiley? You've been doing that for an hour. I don't know. I, I got an itch in my nose. An itch? Yeah. And my uh, my chest feels well, kind of funny. You mean you feel sick? Hey, wait a minute. I didn't get no disease. I'm all right. I... Keep away from me. Keep away. Duke, are you nuts? Bubonic plague. I'd rather be dead than have bubonic plague. Funny. 
Get the doc in here, Smiley. Come inside, Doc. Why, yes. What? What is it? Now, now, listen, Doc. And listen hard. Don't lie to me. Or I'll stick your ribs with slugs. How do you know when you get this bubonic plague? The symptoms are very easy to recognize. Yeah? Itching nose, heaviness in the chest. That's the beginning. Later! I got it! The nose itches because the bacilli enter the body that way. Later, the pains in the chest become more painful. And circulation ceases in the extremities. Yes, the extremities. What, what, what does that mean? It means your arms and legs can, can fall off. It's a slow death. One of the most painful known to civilization. Uh, take a look at Smiley. See, see if he got it. I know he has. Oh, don't say that, Doc. But I'm looking at you now, Red. Me? Yes. Does your nose itch? No. I'm sure it does. How does your chest feel? Is it heavy? I'll kill you, Brad. Don't touch him. He may be your only chance. And yours, too. Martin, you can't help contracting the disease. Those broken test tubes have made this place a death house. What, what about you and your daughter? If we get to get two... Oh, no, no. I told you I was working on it. I found a vaccine for it. We've been injected. We're immune. Hey, can you give us an injection, too? Shut up. Of course I can, if you want it. You ain't giving us nothing. Now get back into that room. All right. Just as you say. Look, Rad, you've got to be reasonable. He's lying. He's trying to scare us. When Joe shows up, I'll knock the two of them off myself. He can't scare me. Not Red Fulton. I'm tough, see? I'm as hard as nails. I'm tough man around here, understand? We'll be, we'll be finished in a couple of days if the doc don't help us. Call him in, Red. Shut up. <laughs> it's two to one. You don't have to take the injection if you don't want to. But we will. Yeah, we have. I, I have the hypodermis ready, gentlemen. <laughs> if you stop bickering and you want to live, I can give you the vaccine. I'm ready, Doc. All right, roll up your sleeve. So am I. Well, Red... <laughs> Will it hurt? Not very much. Mm. Just a pinprick. Mm. Which sleeve should I roll? Either one will do. Just hold steady. It'll all be over in a moment. Hey! There. Me next, Doc. All right. I, I... There. And you? If you please, Doctor. All right. And there we are. I haven't poisoned you, if that's what you're afraid of. I suggest you all sit down now and relax to give the solution a chance to go through your bodies. <laughs> you know, I feel better already. So, so do I. <laughs> the pain in my chest is gone away. It'll be completely gone in just a moment, Red. Oh, gee. See, that's funny. I, I feel... Tired? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Charlie. Hey. You ain't kidding me. I cannot keep my... Wait, wait, wait a minute. Smiley. He's asleep, Red. And the Duke will be with him in just a second. Uh, asleep. Uh, hey, where, what did... My, my rod... Where's my... You'd be too hmm. weak even to lift it, Red. Hmm. Just relax and go to sleep. Hmm. 
It's all right, Anne. Everything's fine. They're all fast asleep. Yes. Morphine, my dear, is a wonderful thing. Don't you think? Well, Doc, I've got to hand it to you. Officer, I trust my recent guests are safely behind bars, where they belong. They're our guests now, but it's only temporary. They're getting the chair for the murder of that guard. And what about their accomplice, the man with the boat? He showed up just as you said he would. It'll be a long time before he goes for a boat ride again. <laughs> well, that seems to conclude just about everything. Um, there's uh, only one thing we can't figure out, Doc. What's that? Red and Smiley kept saying something about bubonic plague. They were scared stiff when they woke up in the squad car. And the other one, the Duke, he kept complaining about an itchy nose and a pain in his chest. Oh, yes, yes. You see, they smashed some of my equipment. And there were certain viruses in some of the test tubes. Bubonic plague? Oh, no, no, not bubonic plague. I'm working on something else. They they kept saying you didn't cure them. They, they said you didn't do them any good. I'm afraid they're right. <laughs> you see, I've been working on it for a long time, officer. But so far, I've still been unable to find a cure for the common cold. Yes, I find I have many friends, like Dr. Carter, for instance. In his own quiet way, he makes good use of time. And as for my enemies, well, surprisingly enough, I know of three in particular who have lately become my friends. They're watching the clock now with eager concentration and hope. They're watching for a reprieve which will never come and which they don't deserve. I can bring them no reprieve, my friends, for that is beyond my power. But as my hands go round and the seconds tick slowly off, sooner or later I will be able to bring them justice. The clock will be heard again next week, same time, same station. This program was written by Lawrence Clee and starred Hart McGuire as the clock. Also heard were Frank Waters as Red, Beryl Marshall as Anne, Ozzie Wenburn as Smiley, Leonard Bullen as Dr. Carter, together with Gordon Chater and Gordon Glenwright. The clock, directed by John Saul, is a Grace Gibson radio production. Keyless Domestica, better known as the Cotton House Cat, is rumored to have nine lives, while a man is presumed to have but one. Such is the common conception. But there are some who believe otherwise. There are some who say that the present life they live is merely one of a number, and that if you could go back in time, you would find yourself again in another age, perhaps in another form. Well, I don't intend to take sides in the matter, but I was wondering if I could offer anything by way of evidence. A story, perhaps. The tale of one John Shepley, a man whose clock turned backward in a most unconventional way. A man who returned to a life he had lived once before. Sit down, my dear. Relax. I suppose I'm behaving like a child, Dr. Brewster, but I'm frightened. I don't know what I've been through in these last few weeks. Well, it's a post to tell me about it, Jean. You know, of course, that John and I are soon to be married. Well, I was hoping for the pleasure of attending your wedding. Wedding? I don't know anymore if there'll be a wedding. Why? What's happened? 
John's ill, Dr. Brewster. Ill? Oh, not physically, but there's something wrong with his mind, I think. It started with a dream. A dream? Yes. He's had that dream every night for the last three weeks. He won't tell me what it is exactly, but I can see what it's doing to him. It's changing his personality. It's making him behave like someone else. I see. I love him very much, Dr. Brewster. Up to now, I was sure he loved me. And now? I don't know. I came to you as a last resort. But, uh, I'm not a psychiatrist, Jean. I, I can't interpret these dreams for him. You're his friend, Dr. Brewster. Perhaps the only one he can talk to. And you may be the only one who can save him. Save him? You sound as if, as if his life's in danger. It is, Dr. Brewster. It is. John, what is this thing that Jean fears so much? What's happened between you? Dr. Brewster, I'm going to ask you a very odd question. Oh, I'm used to odd questions. Do you believe in reincarnation? Reincarnation? Do you believe man can live more than once? That you and I and Jean once existed before in a different era? First tell me... Do you believe in it? Yes, I do. Why? Because I have proof. And what's your proof? For the past three weeks, I've had a dream. A recurrent dream, always exact. Down to the tiniest detail. And what's the substance of that dream? The substance, Dr. Brewster, is that I'm a murderer. <laughs> you, you don't believe me, do you? I don't know what to say. I'll I, I tell you it's the truth. I'm a murderer, Dr. Brewster. It's come back to me again and again, night after night. The dagger. His blood on the chair in the palace. Did you recognize your victim? Yes. Well, who was he? His name was the Normand de Troyes. He was married to the Marquise de Pompadour. Marquise de Pompadour? Good heaven. That woman's been dead for almost 200 years. I know. And she was beautiful. I loved her, Dr. Brewster, and I, I gave my life for her. Oh, I know. I sound like a maniac. Well, maybe I am. Sometimes I wonder myself. And yet I can't get over it. That feeling of having lived during the reign of Louis XV, of having been in love with Madame Pompadour, and of having murdered her husband. John, listen to me. Go to a psychiatrist. I don't need a psychiatrist, Dr. Brewster. I have to work this out for myself in some way. But if you go on like this... Do you know where it might end? For Jean? I, I know. In unhappiness. But I can't help myself. As wretched as I feel about her part in this. And for you, John? Do you know what the ending might be for you? Murder will out, Dr. Brewster. And the only ending for a murderer is the hangman's noose. You've only one hope, Jean. You've got to get his mind away from the past. You've got to make him realize he lives in the present, that today is what counts. We used to have such fun together. Now I hardly see him. Try to relive those moments with him. Take him to the theater, the art museums. Do what you used to do. And make him forget about himself. I'll try, Dr. Brewster. I'll try very hard. <laughs> And Jean did try, with all her strength and all her heart. She tried to hold the man she loved to keep him from leaving her forever. 
and for a while it seemed she might succeed. For a short time, Jean forgot his dreams and his strange compulsions, until one day in an art museum, as he and Jean walked slowly through the marble corridors. John, look at this Vermeer. Oh, isn't it exquisite? Yes, it is. He was a great artist, Jean. Everything about his work showed genius. Let's look at the cars. Look at this. Well, what are you smiling at? Nothing. It's just that I'm so happy. You are? These last few weeks have been so different. We've come closer together again. Oh, darling, you're the John I know and fell in love with. <laughs> now, let's see what's in that room, shall we? Oh, it's only furniture. I'd rather see the rest of the oils. But if you want to see it, darling... Yes, I do. Come into that room with me, Jean, please. living room. Furniture's antique. Yes. Why, it says here, this room was occupied by Louis XV. I, I've been inside it before, Jean. Here, in the museum? No. What do you mean, John? Now, I remember this furniture when it was new. What? I'll show you I do. I remember every piece. Every piece. Now, you see that cabinet in the corner? Well? Open it. We're not supposed to touch that. Open it, Jean. It... May prove something. If you find a a dagger inside the cabinet, a bloodstained dagger, I know I'm right. John, please open it, Jean. All right. Oh, you found it. Yes. I put it there. John, let's get out of here. No, no, I've got to stay. Not me at all. What are you doing? The blood is still here on the chair. I'll never forget the blood. John, please take me home. Look, Jean, that painting on the wall. Do you know who she is? No. Jean-Antoinette Poisson, Marquise de Pompadour. The most beautiful woman who ever lived. You stare at that picture like... a man in love. I was years ago. Odd, isn't it? Her first name... And yours. But the same, I mean. John! If you don't mind, Gina, I want to stay here alone for a while. With the woman I love. John stood there for a long moment after Jean had gone, staring up at the beautiful portrait. I watched him from my perch above the high French cabinet. Then I spoke. Huh? I said hello. You. Where are you? It isn't necessary for you to see me. We've met before. Have we? At least you think we have. I was around in Louis' time, and I knew the Marquise very well. To know her was to love her. Perhaps. However, your memory may not be what you think it is. How do you mean? You'd like to return, wouldn't you? You'd like to go back a couple of hundred years. More than anything else in the world. Are you sure you won't regret it? I'll take that chance. It's the only thing that can save me now. I've got to know the truth. What time do you have? Oh, it's ten past four. You're slow by five minutes. Well? I'm going to add two hundred years to that five minutes. I'm going to make the timepiece in your wrist run slow by two centuries. What are you doing What's happening to me? You're going back, my friend, to the Marquise de Pompadour. 
and I wish you a pleasant journey. Just a moment. Well, the door was locked. For a moment, I thought something had happened to you. Who are you? Who am I? What is wrong with you? I'm Charles de Port, secretary to the Marquise. That's who I am. Secretary to the Marquise? The Marquise de Pompadour? Naturally. Then I must be in Versailles, the Palace of Versailles. Perhaps you need a doctor, monsieur. You seemed quite well a few moments ago when I went to inform the Marquise of your arrival. But now... I'm quite all right. <laughs> Just a fainting spell. I, I've had them occasionally. A fainting spell? Hmm. Well, I hope you don't faint when you see the Marquise. She doesn't have too much respect for men who uh, behave like kittens. Just lead me to her, Deport. And see how I behave. Monsieur Lefebvre! Musketeer in the service of the king. This is a great honor, madame. You may rise, monsieur. It'll be all the floor. Very well, madame. To what do I owe this privilege, madame? To your voice as a servant, perhaps? Or to your reputation with the ladies? The ladies, madame? <laughs> Come now, you can relax with me. I'm a commoner just as you are, by the but also the most beautiful woman I have ever seen in my life. If Louis should hear you, your life would be a short one. It's worth the risk. You're very gallant. It goes well with your reputation. <laughs> my reputation seems to have traveled a great part of the matter. I brought you here to offer you an opportunity. I would like you to become my personal bodyguard. Your protector, madame. My protector, defender, and companion. Nothing would please me more. Think well before you answer. My demands may be rather dangerous at times. Danger doesn't worry me. I have enemies. You, enemies? Yes. There is one who I'm very much afraid of. And who is that? My husband. Or should I say, my ex-husband. As you know, we were divorced. Le Longmont seemed to feel that my friendship with the king was damaging to his reputation. <laughs> Idiotic, isn't he? Very, madame. However, I'm sure you can handle him. I'm going to ask that you be transferred from the king's guard. I can arrange it. I can arrange practically anything in France. So I've heard. If you hadn't died as you did at the age of 43, France might have become... What? Oh, I... I beg your pardon. That was a silly thing to say. What on earth are you talking about? I am only 30 now. What is this nonsense about my death at 43? Oh, please forgive me, madame. Do you set yourself up to be a seer? I might surprise you, madame. What kind of a trick are you playing, monsieur? No trick, madame, I... I have hunches, that's all. Hunches? Well, it's, it's purely guesswork. But it, it's not guesswork when I tell you that I would lay down my life for you. Gladly. Would you? Yes. I'm glad you said that, monsieur. You are, madame. Yes. For I may give you the chance. Monsieur de Porte? Well, monsieur, the Marquise has given orders for me to be quartered here in the palace. Oh. I am to have the West Suite. Ah, the West Suite, no less. Oh, she favors you, monsieur. <laughs> Come this way. I presume there's a bath attached. What did you say? A bath. A tub or a shower. I, 
What have one of us with? <laughs> but that's ridiculous. It is? But this is only March. March? Do you mean to say... A little perfume will make you feel better. Perfume? My foot, I want a bath with soap. But baths are not in season now. Did you hear what I said, Dupont? Whatever you wish, monsieur. It's, uh, your skin. John? What? Why are you speaking to me, monsieur? Deport can't hear me, John, but you can. Oh, I, I see. I beg your pardon, monsieur. Get rid of Deport, John. I want to talk to you alone. I was thinking of taking a bath. The bath can wait. Whom are you speaking to, monsieur? Why are you looking behind you? There's no one there. Oh, I'll, I'll be with you in just a few minutes, Deport. Wait for me in the next corridor. Oh, very well, sir. The man is now. Well, John, how do you like it? How does it feel to live in the 18th century? It's a fantastic experience. It, it's something I've always wanted to do. You mean you don't want to go back? Never. Not as long as she is alive. You're speaking of Madame de Pompadour? Yes. John, you're making a big mistake. It's my life. I can do what I like with it. See it yourself. I promise I won't ask you again. But I suggest you keep your dream in mind. My dream? You were a murderer in the dream, John. It was a dream you couldn't escape. And the man you believed you murdered was the husband of Madame Pompadour. The man she wants you to guard her against. Well, uh, what about it? Nothing. I was just wondering if history would repeat itself in reverse. I love to ride early in the morning. It makes the blood flow through my veins with new strength. I could ride this way for the rest of my life with you. <laughs> Careful. They say that even the horses are loyal to the king. <laughs> You're so hidden. I love you. I can't keep it to myself any longer. Just one kiss, please. One kiss. And what would you give for one kiss? Anything you ask. Come closer, darling. There, you've had your kiss. And as far as payment is concerned, I intend to exact it shortly. You sent for me, son? The time has come for you to prove yourself. What do you want me to do? My husband, the normal, is trying to blackmail me. Yes? He knows about us. He intends to tell the king. You've got to stop him. Don't worry, son, I'll handle him. How? I'll give him two days to get out of France. Oh, that won't do. You don't know what he's like, Georges. He hates me. He's even threatened to take my life. And he has agents, men who would murder for a sou. As long as he lives, Georges, I'll have no peace. You've got to kill him tonight. But, but surely there must be another way, Jean. Can it be that you are afraid? You know better than that. I only know that you can't possibly love me if you permit the Lomo to live. You'll never see me again if you do. Jean. I mean that. Oh, my darling. My darling, you've got to help me. He terrifies me. Please don't fail me now. Where can I find this Lenormand? I have asked him to come to the castle tonight. The king is in Paris. You can deal with him here as you like. Will you do it for me? Let me know when he arrives. Here. Take this ring. It will bring you luck. Do you see this inscription on the inside? Pompadour. Put it on your finger. Wear it on the hand 
that holds the sword. As you can see, no matter what period of history, time is always the same. And so are the men and women. He has entered the palace, Monsieur Lefebvre. He's come through this corridor in a moment or two. You have his chance to draw his sword. His sword? Are you crazy? A duel would bring a household down on you. You've got to use his dagger and use it quickly before he can utter a sound. You mean stab him in the back? Yes. That's murder in cold blood. where it must be done. You take it. We can wait behind these portieres. As he passes, let him have it. No, no way it comes. No, no, this way I can't. Give me the dagger. With the confidence of the Marquis. Quick, before the guards come, take this dagger and hide it in the cabinet. He never had a chance. You... Quiet! It is her ladyship. What is this? What? Oh! No, 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 speak to me. He's dead, madame. Dead. And his murderer is over there. You're lying to Port. You killed him yourself. Silence. So, this is the way you would pay my trust in you, Monsieur Lefebvre. Jean, you... How dare you address me that way? No, you can't be serious. Put him under arrest. Monsieur Lefebvre, I see that you get the guillotine for this. Take him away. Good evening, Monsieur Lefebvre. What? Where is the Marquise? <laughs> the Marquise is not in the habit of visiting cutthroats in a dungeon. She sent me in her place. What is it you wish? Nothing. I shouldn't have asked her to come. I should have known she'd refuse. At dawn, you will die, Monsieur. May I uh, offer my apologies? If I could get at your throat! Save your strength, Monsieur. You will need it to climb the guillotine steps. The fact that it was I who killed Lenormand is unimportant. Had killed him yourself in fair fight, you would still be on your way to your grave. You mean she'd planned it so that I... Naturally. You don't think for one moment that she wanted you around after your job was finished? That she... she was just using me. Lenormand was still her husband. They were never actually divorced. And that was a nuisance to her ladyship, inasmuch as she had other plans. Plans which concerned the king. So that's what really happened. I beg your pardon? And I, I thought that I was a murderer. <laughs> but I'm not, you see, I'm not. You have a very peculiar sense of humor, monsieur. You don't understand it, fool. You can't hurt me. I can go back. I can... Well, can I? It's too late. Is it too late? It is never too late, monsieur, for Madame Guillotine. We are ready, monsieur Lefebvre. Before I give the signal and your head rolls, is there anything you wish to say? Yes. I have a friend somewhere who brought me here. Where are you? I want to go back. You were right. Please take me back. Please take me back. Have you learned your lesson, John? Just give me one more chance, that's all I ask. Just one more chance. Just one more chance. Executioner, do your duty.
I'm darling, you all right? What? Oh. What's the truth, Jean? I had to come back. I couldn't leave you here like this. Jean. Look as though you've been ill. You haven't moved from this spot since I left the museum. Ill? I'm well, Jean. I'm well and I've come back to you. John. What's wrong about everything? I'm <laughs> not a murderer, Jean. Really, I'm not. And I'll never have those dreams again. And what about her? That woman in the portrait up there. The Marquise de Pompadour. The Marquise? She's just as dead, Jean, as my love for her. She's part of the past, that's all. And I'm here in the present with you. Well, there's your story. What's that? The events are not historically correct. I agree with you. According to the history books, it didn't quite happen that way. But then, historians deal with important facts. And you must admit that a mere romance could have been omitted by the textbooks. However, there's just one more thing. I was still there when John and Jean left the museum arm in arm. As he walked out of the room, he accidentally dropped a small metal object on the floor. It was a ring. A large ring that may have been worn by a woman. And there was one word inscribed in the band. That word was Pompadour. The clock will be heard again next week, same time, same station. This program was written by Lawrence Clee and narrated by Hart McGuire as the clock. As John, you heard Charles Tingwell. Others were Coralie Neville, John Bushell, Sheila Sewell, David Butler. The clock, directed by John Saul, is a Grace Gibson radio production. Well, listeners... What did you think of both these OTR stories? The Doctor using his wits to fool those thick-skulled thugs and playing on the mind of the thug who was well-educated. Well-educated enough, that is, to be fooled. And our second tale of going into the past, back into a life lived and a life betrayed. Goodness, both these tales were just brilliant. Also, the Clock series is a really unique set of OTRs, they cover plot twists like time, relationships, and clever little twists at the end, whilst also managing to fall into the villain tropes of the time. You know, those cliché characters, crazy decisions, or big personalities. I really, really love them. This series, though, would have to be one of the hardest series to master, and their episodes have the most noise. Some episodes have so much noise, right, that it's like listening to rain. One day, folks, I'll have enough software to strip that noise out and leave the rest completely untouched. A good challenge for me in the future, though. Either way, I'll continue to bring the Clock series to your lovely ears. Now, mates, I want to thank those that support me, my Patreon supporters, the very special people that take the time to send some dollary dues my way. If you want to send the same love my way as well, visit www.patreon.com forward slash sfgt. That simple. Where there are a variety of tiers to support the show. This means improved audio quality, custom stories, more music, more sound effects, and well, more everything. Every bit counts, and every bit goes right back into production, nowhere else. So thank you so much. First up, my Ode Night T Titan, my megastar, Maya. I just want to say, 
the leaps and bounds this podcast makes in the editing and remastering of old-time radio is thanks to your lovely support. No joke. Because of you, I've been able to afford RX editing software that's cleaned up today's episode in a way that I've never been able to achieve before. Thanks to you, Maya. You are amazing. And everyone that listens to the OTR episodes is all the better for it. You're one in a million. My two white tea warlords, Ion Cows and Lee Bauer. Mates, what can I say about you lovely peeps? Your support helps me purchase new sound effects and also helps me get the word out there. Thanks to you, I'm able to make those scary, creepy tales all that much more authentic. Thanks so much for being here with me and supporting me the way you do. Thanks, mates. And of course, my Elgrain forces, the lifeblood in this podcast veins. Chad Warren, Just Heather, Paige Marcini, Peter Raffelli, Tasha Moncrief, Christina Boyd, Divided by Zero, Dolphin and Cow, Michelangelo Yacone, Tea Time Drinker One, Chris Moller, and Solstra. Mates, Thank you so much for supporting me the way you do, and you put a pep in my step every day as a result of your lovely support. Thanks for being awesome, thanks for listening, and thanks for spending your time with me. As always, mates, till next, we meet.